Uh, So the reading today is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And once you walked in these things, when you were living in them, but now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Good morning and welcome to Vision Month. My name is Mike. Uh, There we go, the lights are on, it's all happening. Uh, And it's great to be with you this morning as we kick off uh, this Vision Month, particularly in Colossians. And after kind of uh, weeks and weeks of looking at chapters on chapters, some of those quite long, today I'm going to give you a one-verse sermon, so I hope you're excited about that. (laughs) Will it be shorter? Yeah, probably. Um, very good, very good. Well, uh, 2020 uh, was a great year, was it? No, it wasn't a great year. Uh, many, many churches, many organizations had a 2020 vision as, you know, they sort of, you know, at the end of 2019, looking over into 2020, it was a great play on words, so everyone thought, you know, 2020 eyesight, seeing things perfectly, we've organized ourselves really well and we're going to do great things. Churches, organizations, nobody had a perfect vision for 2020, did they? It was a horrible year. It's like, it feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Uh, our sense of time's all messed up through COVID. Uh, but when, we think, when it comes to thinking about vision, uh, us as a church, uh, while we are going to, as you can read in the booklet, uh, sort of make plans for the new year, uh, the central purpose of our vision as a church is to, according to verses 1 and 2 of Colossians 3, 
to, to keep our eyes on things above, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because while our circumstances are going to go up and down, and while we cannot tell what 2023 uh, might have in store for us, there is one who is unchanging, one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and despite his unchangingness, he, he is intimately connected with our present. He is able to work all things according to his great purposes. And so our vision is to, as a church, unify our gaze upon this Lord Jesus, because no matter what happens next year, His great commission to make disciples of all nations, His great commandment to love one another remains constant, and that is a great joy for us to focus on. And so as we hit Vision Month, uh, we're not so much about a corporate sort of management moment, uh, but to stop to pause, and as Rach said, to reflect and give thanks for what God has done in us and through us to get us here, and then to also, you know, as best as we can in the unity that we have in Christ, contend uh, strenuously for the faith to make plans to best reach our people, to best know Christ more, but hold loosely to those because our vision, our gaze is fixed on Jesus. You with me in that? Oh, there's, a, there's a mild agreement. Like, very good, very good. <laughs> now, um, oh, that'll be interesting. We'll see. If I think my pen just broke. No. Okay, so that plan, already, the plans are already going astray. Very good, very good. Uh, look, I'll, I'll attempt to do some things, but I don't think it's going to work nearly as well. Let's, let's find out. So, uh, as Rachel's already mentioned, uh, as a church, we organize ourselves through kind of portfolios or kind of different areas. Uh, so, not necessarily by congregation, although our experience of church is in congregations. Um, but if you've come to a newcomer's lunch, if you're new, or if you've been around church for a little while, you might know that we have these different uh, portfolios. So, today I'm looking at maturity and, mem- and, and magnification. Let's, this, is, this is really not going to work. Is it? No, it's not. Okay, here we go, here we go. Uh, let's see if I can... My fi- Okay, it does work. My finger is not going to be nearly as good. My goodness. Okay, so here we go. So here is um, five aspects to the life of our church. Uh, there is no way my finger is going to be able to write the words I had in mind to write. So here we go. Here we go. At the bottom, we have maturity. There we go. This is like a kid's lesson now, isn't it? <laughs> maturity. Uh, we also have um, magnification. I'm just going to write mag. Uh, what else have we got? Interactive moment. Mission, yeah, we've been talking about that all year. I'm glad you uh, mentioned that. Mission. How's my writing, by the way? Great, great. Pretty terrible, thank you, honesty. Uh, what else? <laughs> membership, yep, very good. Uh, Isaac will be taking us through membership and mission next week. I'm just, mem. There we go, and? Ministry, very good. Ministry. Now, the reason why we're starting, particularly with maturity, uh, is as we're going to look at verse 16 particularly today, My hope is that we might see that being deep in the Word is foundational for everything we do in the life of this church. So there we go. So maturity is going to inform everything we do in the life of this church because of all the ways we are formed as people, through our experience of life, of church, of the tradition that we've inherited. We don't just start now, we've actually inherited a whole bunch of tradition, especially being Anglicans, right? Uh, or, or, Or reason, because we're thinking people, Above all those things, we believe we are formed by God's Word. In in fact, God's Word helps us understand our experiences, helps us understand our reasoning and put sort of a framework around our reasoning, and it helps inform our tradition. 
and to understand where we've come from and where we're headed. And so verse, um, verse 16 for us today that we're going to be looking at says this, let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So I want you to see really clearly up front that, that we are rooted uh, in, in the Word of Christ as we let it dwell richly in us. That is the foundation and, and our goal of maturity, if you even read in, in your booklets perhaps, is that we are to add to people's maturity and depth of knowing God through word, prayer and fellowship. Uh, that, that's kind of foundational for us as a church and everything's going to flow out of that and magnification is to see people grow in passionate adoration, praise, thanksgiving and Godward attentiveness. And so we see that that, that foundational uh, maturity, that, that kind of being in Christ, of knowing Him more, uh, ought to well up in us as we praise God. And we can see these two things held together in this one verse, which is why we're going to uh, sort of camp out in just that one verse. So um, feel free to keep your Bibles open because I'm going to refer to it in the context of Colossians 3, uh, but I'm going to keep this uh, on our screen. Uh, verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you. All right, here we go, here we go, back to, uh, back to, to sort of a kitty talk moment. Okay, so we're going to focus to start with on, on just this one, uh, this first line, let the Word of Christ. Now, now often we'll see in Scripture uh, the Word of God being used, particularly to, to refer to God's revelation that we have so clearly available to us in the Scriptures. But, but the Word of Christ is not used as often. Uh, it sort of actually focuses into uh, what you might just simply call the Gospel. Uh, that, that is, that Jesus, as the Word of God, has made most clearly known to us God, His plans for us, and is Himself the power of salvation. So, as we, as we focus on the Word of Christ, on His message to us, on His revelation towards us, uh, we are to keep our eyes fixed on Him. That's exactly where Colossians 3 started. So, if I go back to read verses 1 and 2, so, if you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The good news of the Gospel is not just, it's not just kind of like a Wikipedia article about God. It is the revelation that if you trust in Jesus, you are now in Him. You are not to spend a life of kind of religiosity, hoping that one day you might be good enough for God. The good news of the Gospel is that if you trust your life to Jesus, as we heard last week at the end of Mark's Gospel, He has died for you, so that you might be forgiven. And in that moment of trusting Jesus, even with childlike faith, you are forgiven, you are given new life, and you are now in Christ. Your identity, your life is now bound up with His. And where is He? He is at the right hand of the Father, where you too will be when you die and rise with Him. But Paul will say, you already have died with Him. Your old self is already dead. And now you are enjoying your new life, knowing Jesus more, being a child of God. Now, we are messy children, but the truth and the power of the Gospel is that you are a child of God by virtue of Christ's forgiveness and what He's done for us in the cross. Now, I reckon 90% of my pastoral work as a minister here is simply 
reminding people who they are in Christ. I think you could practice that same thing. You don't need a theological degree. You don't need to have the answers. In fact, sometimes the answers, as an engineer speaking, right, can be actually really problematic, as though you sort of got it all sorted and you just need to download some information to them, right? No, no, 90% of my work is simply reminding people who they are in Christ. And Paul is saying to us, keep our eyes fixed on Him, on the reality of all things. As we're walking around church at the moment, you'll notice some signs, perhaps they're a bit late going up because a few people have had uh, more than signs, they've been pecked, they've been harassed by this, this very angry magpie. When I came to church here, I was warned about the magpie, I was like, and it, it seemed okay for a while. This last week, oh my goodness, put up your hand if you've been harassed. So, my apologies on behalf of, I don't know what I'm apologizing for, but anyway, I, as we walk around, particularly now that we've got signs up, uh, we're, we're looking up at the sky, aren't we? And every shadow that kind of moves quickly across the ground, you know, like this, right? Uh, but but at, we're looking up at the sky because we are aware of the reality of an angry magpie. Now, as an awkward sort of segue there, I want you to keep your eyes fixed on the reality, not of an angry magpie, but of Jesus Christ, of what He's done for you. So everything in life ought to take you back to that reality. Keep your eyes on Him looking up, because He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Our salvation is secured already in Christ, who sits at God's right hand. And Paul says, let that Word of Christ, let that power of salvation, let that good news dwell richly among you. Now, that idea of dwelling is the same word used kind of like to describe living in a house. You are dwelling in a dwelling, right? Like you live in a house. Paul's saying, Make room for the Word of Christ, and more than that, a kind of let Christ live in you. Make the Word of Christ at home in your life. When I speak to, to missionaries, and say particularly the Vagises who are heading to Seychelles uh, in only uh, a couple of months' time, you know, they've done some language training, but not much. They're saving most of their language training for when they live in the Seychelles. Uh, in fact, that's the best way to learn a language, to immerse yourself in that culture, right? For us to let the Word of Christ dwell richly in our lives, for us to have a gospel fluency, just like they're going to learn sort of a fluency in, what's the language? Sheol? Creole, Sheol, because it's very different. Creole. <laughs> let us live in Christ, let Him live in us, let us immerse ourselves in the reality of who we are in Christ. And when we come together as a church, we are kind of like a little microcosm of, of, the, of the heavenly realms. Uh, we, are, we are gathered up all together, looking at Christ together, encouraging one another. But 90 minutes a week is just, it's not enough. Uh, so, every day we're going to, no, no, um, how might we let the Word of Christ dwell richly in our lives? Friends, it's got to begin with joining every part of our life with the fullness of the reality of Christ. Uh, many of us will start our day uh, in, in Scriptures, you know, acknowledging that Jesus is Lord over that day. Um, some of us feel guilty about the fact that we're not doing that. Uh, let Every day we start afresh in Jesus, His mercies are new, but let us constantly find ways to draw richly on the fullness of Christ, that we might join our, our experience every day with the fullness of the Word of Christ. And it is inexhaustible 
It is rich. It was given to us at great cost to God. And so let us keep drawing upon that. Because, friends, we have been given every spiritual blessing. And as Peter himself says, where else have we to go? For you alone have words of eternal life. Let us be fully aware of the reality of Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. Let us draw richly upon the full reality of Him. And then Paul will go on to say here, do that in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, you've come here to church, uh, perhaps with the expectation that I'm going to uh, give you the Word of Christ. And in fact, that's what I long to do each time, to preach the Word of God. But, but Paul is not saying, just come to that moment. He is saying, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And, and the root of that is that we are together letting the Word of Christ dwell richly among you. So, so we're seeing a direct, oh, that's right, the pen doesn't work, um, a direct connection uh, to the Word of Christ dwelling richly among you and let that overflow as we teach one another and as we admonish one another. It sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? Let's start with teaching one another, uh, teaching one another. Uh, let us find words as we immerse ourselves in the reality of Christ, to practice a gospel language, a gospel speaking to one another. Uh, let us encourage each other with what God has shown us. Uh, let us seek to notice what's happening in the lives around uh, each other and, and seek to, to, to bring a, a word of Christ to that person. Now, as we bring a word of Christ to one another, sometimes it's going to be richly encouraging, sometimes it's going to be spurring. Now, now, we don't seek to stand over one another and speak down to one another in that kind of admonishing. No, no, we are fellow sinners standing alongside our brothers and sisters, taking our brother or sister to the cross, that they might be encouraged, that they might be spurred on. Uh, just this week, uh, I had lunch with my wife. We've had a busy week, both of us working a fair bit, and so we, we made space for a lunch date. Uh, that was nice. And as, um, as sometimes is the habit, uh, particularly in ministry life, my, my boundaries sort of bled through, and, and rather than just sort of talking about all the nice things in life, I was just telling her about, you know, the things that were weighing on me at, at this particular week. And as I went through them, she just sort of smiled, as she often does, and she just, she just reminded me of the sovereignty of God. Uh, but not only that, but she reminded me of the ways God has been at work in my life to get me to here, and, and that it is a good thing and an appropriate thing and, 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 uh, and, uh, and a faith thing to actually trust Him with what's next. Uh, now, it would be easy for someone to walk around and say, cheer up, God's sovereign, um, but that doesn't actually mesh with kind of what's happening. And so, as we let the Word of Christ dwell richly in our lives, as we connect the gospel with what's happening with us, it flows out that we might be able to do the same thing with others. I went home after that lunch and I, I, I opened up my journal, which I hadn't got to for a little while, and I just wrote all the things that were sort of weighing upon me. And next to each one of those, I sought to find a passage of Scripture, a, a, a promise, uh, something to cling to, and I wrote it next to each one of those things. And I tell you what, it was a richly encouraging moment. 
Friends, let us find ways, let us be creative, let us communicate with one another in all the ways we can so that we might, in all wisdom, teach and admonish one another so that the Word of Christ would dwell richly among us. Then Paul goes on to say, through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, What does Paul mean to do this through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs? Is this going to turn into like Hamilton or something like that? Everything's going to be put to song. I hate movies that like, you know, we start watching and all of a sudden the music starts, you're like, oh, it's not a singing movie, is it? and in fact, then the last time church tried to do something like Hamilton, it ended up in the news and they got busted for copywriting and all that kind of stuff, right? But what, what, what are we to do here? I think Paul is giving us a, a sort of an especially, so that as we, as we teach one another, as we admonish one another, as we speak to one another, that there is a special way we can do that through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. And let's not forget that it is, it is a strange thing. For someone who comes to church for the first time, it might feel like a strange thing that they walk into a sing-along or, or, kind of, or a moment where we're saying a psalm together or kind of words from the prayer book together. That's kind of an odd thing to do, but only from the outside because when you come to know Jesus, the joy of knowing Him, the power of salvation, it wells up and it bubbles out in joy and song so that even when we're feeling down and when we're struggling, The joy of knowing Christ, of being secured in Him, does it not just well up in song? And as he makes special reference to Psalms there, I think of the rich variety of Psalms, of joy, but also of lament, of struggle. You know, these are moments of actually joining in this gospel fluency way, that the joining of the reality of our lives with the Word of God. And I wonder if we would do well to start the day with a psalm. Some of those psalms will really connect with us in that moment, some of those will feel distant, but they are connecting us with other people's experiences, so that when we meet with our brothers and sisters, we might be able to say, can I share with you a psalm that spoke to me this morning? And in that way, I mean, it might feel clunky or something, right? But, but in that way, we might be practicing what it might mean to let the Word of Christ dwell richly among us and then overflow as we encourage and spur on one another with psalms. But with singing, let me say two things. I was, um, firstly, a, a, about a month or two ago, I was invited to uh, a family's house here at church to, to pray with them. I said, oh, well, that sounds great, I'd love to come around and pray. Uh, it started with food, um, which was great, and then we moved into prayer, extended period of time of prayer, and then the guitar came out, and, and then we started singing. And I was like, this is, I don't normally do that, but it actually felt altogether natural and, and really beautiful. I came home just buzzing and actually I was reminded of kind of what it is just to sit with, you know, you know, just sort of spend time on YouTube randomly, but to actually, you know, they encouraged me to spend time with just a playlist of, of worship songs uh, and for the next kind of week I had these songs going over and over in my head and in my heart. Friends, let that not be a strange, unusual thing for us, but just an ordinary thing because as Christians we just have this Word of Christ bubbling out of us. But secondly, let me say about the way that we come together and sing here as a church. Paul is saying, let the Word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. There is a one another aspect to the way that we do worship in this church, particularly as we think about magnification. I wonder if, as we come to the end of our service later and we sing, um, your will be done, I wonder if, as awkward as this might be, we might just have a little bit of a look around us and try and 
sing to one another. Like, I'm not saying we have to do that all the time, but just as a way of practicing this and trying to appreciate what we are doing here as a church, as we are singing to one another so that we might encourage them with words, so they might sink into our hearts, that we might carry them through the week. What a gift song is. Let us use that richly for one another. But the last part here, which I love, then Paul goes on to say, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And at this point, I'm seeing that, you know, we've, we've got kind of like, all this part here is about w- w- one anothering. There's kind of like a horizontal kind of like, you know, one anothering as we, as we share in this. But the whole thing is also to God. Our whole lives, the way that we live it, the way that we share it, is actually one big worship song to God because we are filled with gratitude in our hearts for what Jesus Christ has done. What a great little verse to hold all these rich things together. And as I speak through these things, I'm hoping that there'll be parts of it that resonate with your experience here at TAC, but there's other parts, no doubt, that will feel distant or or even feel a bit jaded by because things haven't worked out here as like we'd expected to. Friends, in our messiness as children of God, having been brought to the Father through the love of Christ, His death for us, let us continue to have a vision for this church that is altogether about Jesus and His work in us and through us. For I see a people who continue to be deep in the Word, drawing richly from the well that is Christ's unending love for us, I see a people making Jesus the hero of their story, of the story of this church, of magnifying His holiness, His glory, so that together we might worship Him as one church, but also as the scattered church, as people going out into our Mondays to Fridays, Saturdays even, so that together we might make Jesus look beautiful and continue to draw people to Himself. I'm going to pray. Uh, We're going to watch a video of people sharing their story in small groups and how they've experienced some of these things. And then I'm going to invite John up to help us uh, land some of this further. But let me pray for now. Father, we thank you for all that you have given us in Christ. Let us find many ways to draw richly upon him, to, to connect all that is true as he now sits at your right hand, as He advocates for us and all the realities of our ups and downs, let us join these two things together so that our whole lives might be a living sacrifice, might be worship to You. Father, let us aspire to this as a church so that You might have the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.